didn't even do a sound check. Except post. <laughs> You're listening to the Comic Book Informer Podcast with Vince and Raj, a podcast for everyone from comic nerds to comic noobs. You know who you are. Now here's your host, Vince. Hello, everybody, and welcome to issue 196 of the Comic Book and Performer podcast, where at least one of us pretends like he's been doing this for a few years. It was funny is I can't stop laughing. <laughs> and it's not because I've been drinking or anything, which goes to prove this is why stupid people are always so damn happy. <laughs> you forget crap, you don't give a rat's ass, and you just enjoy life. It was a half hour in my defense. Well, a little... More than, well, I had to set everything up. It was a half hour till I remembered. But again, in my defense, I'm on holiday. You know, if you had forgotten one of your kids for a half hour. You're comparing the podcast to one of my kids? I mean, I care for you, Vince, but seriously. I know you don't give a crap about me, but I figured you'd at least care about the podcast. This is the second time We've been podcasting together since 2009, I believe. Second time across multiple podcasts that I've actually just plum forgot. And again, I'm on holiday, so bite me. <laughs> just goes to show, Roger. You can do everything perfectly your entire life and no one will notice. But if you screw, screw up, up once, once, that's all, that's all they'll remember. Oh, crazy. Right. Anyway, do your little show. episode. <laughs> I figured we would just kind of take a look back at the year because, well, first of all, I couldn't figure out anything else to talk about this week. But aside from that, I've been kind of trying to figure out a way to do like a year end wrap up. And I don't want to do like an award show or like a countdown list because like when you look at those countdown lists on other sites, I haven't read like 90 percent of those comics. And that's fine. I'm glad there's people out there who are very dedicated and are picking up on all that stuff and finding great comics. That's not us. Plus, on the other hand, while we don't read enough comics, we also read too many comics and we're old and stupid and we probably would forget about a lot of things. So throwing out rankings is just going to make us look foolish. So instead, we're just going to sit back and chat for a little while about the stuff that we liked the most this year. Although from your Twitter account, you seem to be bringing a little uh, vinegar today as well. You can't have, you can't have a year and wrap and just talk about the good. Where's the fun in that? I was trying to end on a positive note. No, no, people don't want that. People don't want that. People want just biting and nail scratches and and saying how absolutely horrific and horrible certain things were as well. Yeah, well, we have to keep this thing to under five hours, so. (laughs) I can keep it under five. (laughs) Challenge accepted. (laughs) All right, well, anyway. We're going to start off over on the Marvel side of things, and I'm sure it surprises absolutely nobody that for both of us, one of the things we most enjoyed this year is Spider-Man. And that's in all of his flavors, be it superior, amazing, ultimate, and any of the other number of Spider-Men that are hanging around in the current Spider-Verse crossover. Peter Parker, Miles Morales, etc., etc., has definitely been a high point in comics this year. Well, I mean, it started off strong, too. Because we were knee-deep in Superior at the time. Mm -hmm. And so had it not been for the strength of events prior to Superior, maybe you'd look at Superior and once it was done and think, okay, we can relax for a while now. But having seen, again, everything that's happened before that and the steamroller train wreck that Slot likes to keep Parker on – we knew it was just going to keep going, and sure enough, it did. And whether it's Scott's or, or Slot's influence with the editors, or the editors having the foresight to plan properly, a lot of the events with Spider-Man are good, not just because of the strength of the core issues, but because of a lot of the tie-ins as well. And that's that's hugely important to the point where even when you had Spider-Man as superior Spider-Man appearing in various Avengers titles or whatever, he stole every panel he was in constantly. And that hasn't changed since either with all the the tie-ins. I mean, 
Greg Land's horrific artwork notwithstanding, you know, <laughs> Spider-Woman is great. All the spider tie-ins, some of them might not be as strong as um, the, the, the main Spider-Man, Spider-Verse titles going on now. But even then, we're getting little snippets and little things throughout with the Edge of Spider-Verse that are proving that, again, whether it is Slot having a firm influence on all the other writers or just the editors really having their crap together when it comes to spider-man you have these phenomenal events i think marvel has realized especially after the whole one more day era that if there's one thing that they absolutely cannot afford to screw up it's spider-man and we've definitely said like Slot's been solo writing Spider-Man for, what, about three years now? Maybe a little longer. longer. And in that time, I can't think of a single bad story. Like, you would have to kind of struggle to find a mediocre story. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, but again, though, it's like, it's almost as if, and again, I would really like to know if it is the editors that are, well, just doing their job well, or if it's slots good planning or if it's scott's i keep saying scott my god that i will blame on the meds folks i'm sorry um slots influence in that as a writer you're coming in to work on spider-verse be it tie-ins or or little small mini issue kind of things to put at the end of of uh, amazing spider-man or what whatever it is and knowing the pedigree of what is going on right now and Slot's influence as a writer, because you would no doubt admire what he does, that you push that much harder. You push yourself to basically write the best that you can for the character, because it's not just the characters that deserve it, but also Slot and the influence that he's had on it. Yeah, and... Us as readers, we're very, very happy to see that. And the other thing that's important to know before we move on is that for anybody who's listened to our show, they will know that often we are ragging out on big events. A lot of times it's Marvel big events, although we have not hidden our disdain of DC's big events when they screw them up. We've just learned to steer clear of those at this yeah. point. <laughs> but... and. It, It'd be easy to say, oh, it's because you just don't like, you know, commercial, just silly action stuff or, or, or whatever. And clearly, most of Spider-Man, that's what it is. But amongst that, there's amazing interpersonal relationship, character development, all these other things that are equally important to the story. And it proves, again, that you can have a commercially successful action adventure event that spills out into other series as well that still has an essence that you can really appreciate and feel for the characters and things like that which is not something that we got from at least i shouldn't say we i did not get from access and from a lot of other stuff that original sin police don't even get me started on that crap so Again, we do like big events, big silly events. Just do a damn better job at it. And I think it's a matter of focus because as we've seen here with Spider-Verse and previously Spider-Island and other stuff, it's always focused around Peter. You know, you're telling Peter's story with, granted, a large supporting cast and a a bigger page count and budget and all, all that fun stuff. But they always know exactly what the story is about. Like looking back on Axis, there was no focus to the story. It was just throwing the big cast in there. Like in retrospect, I think Axis probably would have worked a lot better if it was just a story arc in Uncanny Avengers, you know, tie in with Magneto or, you know, Loki or one or two other comics if you want to. It wasn't deserving of that big event yeah. status because there wasn't enough story there to support it. Like if, if they had scaled it down, I think it would have been a lot. I don't know. I don't want to say it would have been great, but I think it would have at least been more successful and less terrible because they, they, they just took a small story too far, which is not what we've seen with uh, Spider-Man. Axis is an idea. That's all it is. Mm-hmm. I, I will strip it down even further than what you have done. Someone came up with the idea, what if 
the mentalities, the, the, the mental, emotional shift from villains and superheroes changed. That's it. That somebody, I'm positive, somebody somewhere, be it a writer, an editor, or someone too high up the food chain there, came up with this little nugget while they were sitting on the john and called somebody and said, we have to figure out a way to make this work. And they wrapped this horrific, convoluted, stupid story that you could drive Mack trucks through. And it was all to serve that one purpose. And to me, that's an epic failure. Yeah, absolutely. See, you, you dragged us into the negative. I had to. I had to complain about Axis at least once. <laughs> You'll notice I kept my original sin ranting to one line. I still liked a lot of oh, that. Oh, that's bad. It's because you're a terrible person. <laughs> the other thing that I, I figured we could both agree on is, at least in the X-Men line, the all-new X-Men and Uncanny X-Men, I kind of lump them together because you know they're both the Bendis titles and they kind of bounce off each other at various points. But they've just been a lot of fun to read and in very different ways. Like the way that they're moving into, you know, the the original five team has really developed into their own unique little bubble of the X-Men universe. And Uncanny has just been a lot of great character work I've really liked there with uh, yep. the new the new kids they've brought in have gotten a lot of development. Like I'm all in on Ava after no that uh, that two-part annual thing Jesus. and then the, the last issue of Uncanny X-Men. Like I'm loving what they're doing with that character but also with Magic and Emma and just a lot of good character work across both because, you know, they're moving the original five away from their established characters and growing them in different directions. And it's just been a very refreshing time for X-Men. It's, it's the most new stuff we've seen at X-Men in a long time. All new X-Men set the bar really high, really, really insanely high, which is saying a lot when you look at various series events, um, what have you for X-Men across the years, even across recent years, there have been some really strong stories, some strong writers who took it upon themselves to write insanely good stories. I mean, look at X-Men legacy and what we thought of that as well and how strongly it, 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 it worked in terms of the characters and the writing and everything. But I mean, all new X-Men set that bar so high for everybody else. And with the uncanny reboot, I wasn't sure initially, and we talked about that, you know, if A, if it required it, B, coming off of the whole Scott killing Xavier thing, uh, what's this going to be like? But it's like you're saying, the characters are written so strong, so well, the interpersonal relationship stuff going on, Ileana is freaking shining Anytime she's in there, which is saying a lot because, yes, she has been an important character at different points, but she's also just been that character that's just kind of thrown in often as well and doesn't really have a huge character arc. Yes, there have been some that have been, but there's been a lot more that it's just, oh, it's Peter's sister kind of deal. Yeah, especially recently where she's become more withdrawn after her time in limbo. Like they, Oh, yeah. She, she's really been the more stoic character in a lot of different casts, and they've changed that here. Well, what they're, the, the groundwork that they're laying down for her as well with all of the stuff with Strange and all of the training and, and like what we saw with, with uh, Eva bouncing around, how like in some futures she's the Sorcerer Supreme and, and she's, she's still the same person but a little different in, in how she presents herself and, and works with her and stuff. And you're getting so much character development, which is to say nothing about the new kids, which when they were first introduced, with the exception of Go Balls, let's be honest, <laughs> not as charismatic a crew, but they were written very well over time. So that at this point now, when we're getting these stories, you're like, wow. And that story that you're talking about when Eva, Eva, what are we going to call her? Eva, 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 Eva yeah, whatever. whatever. When she it'll, be a different, it'll be different every time we pronounce yeah, it. Yeah, really. When she comes back at the end of that two-parter and you realize – I and whether I allow myself to get sunk in completely and didn't try to piece it together or whether it's just been so goddamn long and so many pills since then. <laughs> I don't really just didn't blame remember. <laughs> 
I did not clue in. I didn't remember that she would be going back to that time and, and space. See, I, I remembered when reading that issue, because it was really early on in the oh, yeah, yeah, where like she disappeared and then, you know, when they found her, you knew she had gone through some stuff, yeah. but they never told you what. To tie it all back to that was a stroke of brilliance. Because then as someone, again, who just was not clued in and didn't even try to remember whatever, I was just reading it. And then you get to that point and then it dawns on you and you're going, you brilliant bastard. <laughs> you set this up beautifully. And it's not just that you feel for the character because of everything she's gone to and losing her husband and child. That's as a parent and husband, I can tell you that's, that's a, a fear that you live with every day. And so to read that and go, Oh my freaking Lord. But then all of the, everything that happens in those few panels from the moment she gets back suddenly makes sense in a way that it didn't before. And because we've had enough time now with the rest of those characters, it's even more impactful because we actually care about those other people now. Whereas before they were the new people and not really as important. Now it's like, holy crap, this is, this is important. It's not just fluff. This is important in these people's lives. It was beautifully, beautifully done. And as far as uh, both of the comics are concerned, cannot take away the art. Oh my With God. Bacallo on Uncanny and Sarah Bacchelli on uh, All New. Oh Plus the, the fill-in artists they've had over the, the time. Fraser Irving is a legend. Like they, it's, They've been great comics in every imaginable way. Same for Spider-Man. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Kind of bouncing off Uncanny X-Men real quick. I came really close to putting Magneto on the list because we both loved like the first like eight or nine yeah. issues of that comic and then Axis hit and just destroyed, destroyed all it. the momentum. Yep. Like th- I read the the latest issue, which is like post Axis focusing on his sidekick, whatever she is. And OK, they're getting back to what we loved. But man, Axis ruined so many great comics this year. <laughs> I don't like the turn that the series took either. There, there came that point. And it was right around the time that that sidekick came around where the shift just changed it, changed it. My God, am I French <laughs> or what? It just changed. And at that point it was like the impact was lost, not just the mm-hmm. momentum, but the impact. And it just, it has not been able for me to, it hasn't been able to gain that back. Yeah. All right. Well, moving into the comics that I picked for myself and you may, I, you may, have enjoyed I'm some amazing. of these as well, but I, f- I figured these are more Vince comics, if you will. Starting off with uh, Avengers and New Avengers. And I fully admit that if you haven't been reading them, you won't enjoy them. But as someone who has been reading both of them since issue one, and I'm really into the ongoing storyline and Hickman's pacing and all that, I'm just loving the incredible amount of depth to the story that we're seeing in both of those comics. And you haven't been reading them, so. Spasmatically. <laughs> yeah, which, <laughs> which, which I'm sure is making it even worse. <laughs> it is. It is. But again, it's like you've said, too, at the start of the show. Like, I mean, we read a lot of freaking comic books. But the problem is, is that because a lot of these goddamn things are coming out now every week or every two weeks, yeah. no longer every month, it's really hard to keep up with everything that's going on. And so I've kind of, well, we both have had to make decisions on what's going to make the cut and what isn't. And unfortunately, because of the manner in which these are written, I've had to say I'm bowing out for now. Mm-hmm. At some catch, point. Catch up I'll, when it's over. Exactly. When the event is done and when everything or whatever the series, yeah, I will spend a weekend doing nothing but reading these titles to get caught up. And at that point, I'll be like, you're right. It was freaking awesome. I'm, I'm sure I will be. But I can't just jump into this. And if I, if I get caught up, well, then I'm not reading any other comics for a week. <laughs> we can't have that. There's spider comics to read. <laughs> and then uh, a couple comics that I bunched together calling it you know marvel's new generation with nova miss marvel and ghost rider you know these three young heroes and all in their own ways coming to terms with their powers and their responsibility god (laughs) but seeing all three of them growing and 
as uh, Robbie over in Ghost Rider, he's still in that growing phase. Like, but with Kamala and Sam and Miss Marvel and Nova, it's I've said this so many times, but it's so refreshing to see heroes that are heroes just because they want to do the right thing. You know, there's no tragedy that they're trying to make up for. That it's it's the Spider-Man thing. Without Uncle Ben dying, they know they have this responsibility and they just want to do the right thing and they do it. Because the one good thing to come out of Axis was Nova being an absolute boss in his solo series. And the the latest issue, issue 25, was a lot of fun with him officially becoming an Avenger. So I'm just – I'm really happy to see that these new characters are coming into the Marvel Universe and – are being allowed to grow and hopefully are finding enough of an audience. We know Miss Marvel has her own superstar audience. Nova's been going for a while now. Ghost Rider, I don't know if he's catching on, but I hope he is because I want to see this character continue to develop. I really enjoy Miss Marvel, although admittedly that's another one that I get like two, three issues behind and then I have to catch up before I read the new ones. At least you can with yeah, that one. Exactly. And I love the character in a lot of different ways. I really do. But Nova just speaks to me so much more. There's something about that character that, and I think it's because of everything he's been through. He's that, he's that dark child that just has this history because of crap he went through when he was younger, that even though a lot of that is lies, some of it, because he didn't know the truth about his father, it still for him was real. And so there's a lot of depth to the character, Meanwhile, he's still a young character, so he does make mistakes, but he's never written as the emo teenage stereotype. He's just written as someone who tries hard but makes mistakes, and sometimes they are very childish mistakes, but that we've all been there. Yeah. And so it makes sense, and it's it's relatable. And, yeah, there's something about the writing with Nova that is so profound for me. I, I absolutely love it. And yet everybody hates him <laughs> because he's not Richard Ryder. Nah, I don't care. I don't care. All right. Uh, what did you have from the Marvel side? Marvel side, I, I mentioned it briefly, but it has to be mentioned again just at least a little bit, is the brilliance that was X-Men Legacy. I had completely forgotten that that even happened this year. Yeah. Like Because we only got a couple issues at the beginning with you know the last few issues hitting in like January, February. Yeah. But, but it, I'm glad you remembered. Yeah. So, well, I like I said before, I went through all the show notes and everything, and it was like, yeah, it was ending around the, the start, but it was in this year, and and that ending was... Yeah, that was an ending. Yeah. So when you're looking at brilliantly written series again, Sewell did such an amazing job on that, which is then disappointing when you're looking at what he's doing with Death of Wolverine that's going on now. Which, as another series to rant about, <laughs> or event, I should say, the I didn't think Spurrier was involved with Death of Wolf. Oh, Spurrier, that's right. No, no, I'm wrong. Yeah. I'm absolutely wrong. Absolutely wrong. Okay. Sorry, sorry. Spurrier's doing X Force, yeah, 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 yeah. which is up and down. Yeah, but, uh, but when it's up, it's way up. Going with the uh, the Death of Wolverine, anyways. The um, the this every... is what you're reading instead of Avengers. <laughs> Yeah, and see, that's when you're going like, you idiot, but I'm so sunk in at this point, there's no turning back. I read the uh, the last few from the different series just uh, over the last couple of nights, so the, the stuff with the new ones as well as the stuff with the existing wolvie friends and all that that have been captured and docking and saber tooth and, uh, and x23 and whatever, and they're all in a cage, and, and it's starting to now tie in. The two groups are now tying in so that you're seeing what the grand plan, and these are the biggest freaking air quotes you can imagine, <laughs> is. And and now it's finally pointing back to old Wolvie who's stuck in all that adamantium because that's how the last issue of what I read is like – it it appears like – the, the the brains dude is like, I want you to go fetch me a Wolverine encased in adamantium. Ha ha ha. With a little pinky to his lips like freaking <laughs> Dr. Evil. So you can see now this is where it's going to be somehow bringing Wolvie back from the adamantium. Who the hell knows how or whatever, but that's where it's going, obviously. And out of an event for a character that is... 
one of, if not the biggest moneymaker for for Marvel, <laughs> a character that can be written with incredible complex, incredible complexity and be written very well, but has also been written so very bad. This, I don't think the average is too good on that one yeah, either. The, the, this is one of the bad ones. This event, again, when you're thinking about how much they hyped it, that this is it. He really is going to die. And it's like making this such a huge deal that it's spanning across different things. And it's been horrific. Almost entirely. There's been a few moments in tie-ins that has been decent. And I'm saying just decent, not great, decent. And there has been, and this is, of course, this is all my opinion. Everybody can disagree if they want. But I've read a crap load of freaking Wolverine over the years, okay? Like <laughs> a lot. And uh and it was a tight it was a character that I remember when I was reading comics as a kid when it was first introduced and I had all those titles and everything. So I was a fan when the character wasn't even important yet. But going back to to this event, there is literally, and we talked about it on past episodes, there's one story one element of a comic that was one out of i think the issue had three stories yeah that one with armor that's it and that was spectacular that was absolutely amazing make your eyes water i don't care who you are that's how good that was one out of all of this sludge of crap that has been the death of wolvie and it's not even freaking done. I still have to read more. <laughs> See, it's funny. Going back to the whole Spider-Man thing, Marvel has realized they can't screw up Spider-Man, so they're really trying. Marvel's also realized they can screw up Wolverine and people are going to buy it anyway. Yeah. I, I, it bothers me to no end. And the only reason I'm reading through now is because, A, You're committed. <laughs> I, I have to know what's going to happen at this point. I'm just, I've, I've paid my freaking dues reading stupidity. I, I I have to at least know what the plan, the grandmaster plan is at this point. And I don't think you're going to like where it's going. Oh, probably not. And also just that I, I am hopeful that there might actually be something worth reading. Because I got to say, again, for me personally, this, if anybody asked me, should I read the Death of Wolverine stuff? I would say, God, no. Oh, my God. You save your freaking money and buy past issues of grew and ambush bug before you buy this they just don't did you read the last issue of axis no i didn't actually I have okay it. I well you, it. you pretty much find out who's going to be the new wolverine oh okay well i'll read it tonight but bad. can't wait for that reaction <laughs> oh great anyways horrible 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 then there is also the ultimate comics cataclysm event that happened this year as well Things I would have liked to have forgotten. Which, this was one of the ones that, as I just read a little here and there, I really didn't like it at all. But then when I read it back to back and I read the entirety of the event, then it worked a little better. It still wasn't spectacular and amazing, but it still was, it still was good. And it had moments in it that really were good. Miles was phenomenal in this event. Really, really quite good. The interactions between Miles and Evil Reed, fun to read. They were they were good. It was fun to read. All that stuff. The evil Reed and um, oh, that, what's it, oh, their daughter. What the hell is it? Uh, Valeria. Yeah. Cool. Really, yeah. really cool. You know, so there were moments like that. But then the payoff was at the end. Even though they were going for this massive climax with Kitty being huge and wiping out everything. And then you sent off into the negative. They were trying and it just didn't feel like that epic moment. And it's, it's almost as if, again, either writers, editors or whatever, forget that an epic climax is not determined by the size of the people that are fighting. It doesn't matter how big they are or if they're being tossed into a negative zone or things like that. An epic climax can be between 
to regular size people. It can be something that is more grounded and relatable for the audience to feel than for those who are affected. I mean, that's just the truth of it. So even though I was huge on panels, the impact simply was not. And I mean, again, it was an event that was it worth reading? Maybe. But is it something that I'm going to go out and say, if you're reading one or even two events this year, make sure you read these? No, it simply wouldn't be. Cataclysm or Original Sin? Oh, Cataclysm. Okay. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Okay. For me, yeah. I, it's, that's a no-brainer. That's fine. To end on a very positive note. <laughs> and simply because it surprised the crap out of me. Mm-hmm. Rocket freaking raccoon. Absolutely. I just cannot express my love for this series enough. It's just, and again, I went in saying, like, I probably will think this is crap. I've done nothing but make fun of the character. (laughs) And then Guardians of the Galaxy happened. And then I read some more of the actual comics of the Guardians of the Galaxy, got to know the character a little bit better, and then... Young decided to do this. And now it's like that series is just a series that I look forward to each issue. Again, not because it's, you know, huge character development, although there are some scenes that are like, oh, you poor little raccoon. (laughs) But (laughs) because it's just so much freaking fun and it's well written. Sometimes that's what you want. Exactly. And it's gorgeous. To, to, to look at. So there's a lot of things going for it. And it's just a series that I look forward to every single issue. Mm-hmm. All right, then moving into DC and as anybody who listens to our podcast knows, DC has had a very tumultuous history here, especially this year, but there are still positives to find. And that's starting with their digital presence. That's including injustice Batman Beyond, Justice League Beyond, as well as a lot of the anthology stuff they've been doing with Superman and Batman and Wonder Woman. There's a lot of good stuff out there that they've been putting out for a book and issue, and I cannot praise that enough because Injustice Year 3 of Injustice has been fun, but we also this year we got a good chunk of Injustice Year 2, which was amazing. The stuff with Ollie and Harley and Black Canary, oh, Sinestro, like Injustice... I still can't believe that this was so damn good, but it continues to be great. And then the Beyond comics, Justice League Beyond was good. You know, it had a little bits here and there, but overall it was very good. But Batman Beyond, man, they crushed it, especially those last couple storylines with uh, Ink and Ten and the, the alternate universe Terry. Great, great work there. What's funny is that We will rag on DC a lot. And in my opinion, it's justified. And Mm -hmm. this year, a lot of the ragging on DC has actually not even been because of events and bad writing, but actual (laughs) It could be if we were reading it. (laughs) Yeah, it's because of the people. And in my opinion, again, it was deserved. Mm -hmm. We didn't talk about them for a long time, and it was deserved. Now, that said, if we look at... The digital presence that DC now has, which in this day and age is extremely important. And now look at the digital presence that Marvel has with their digital exclusive ones. The Marvel ones are horrible. Name me any that stand out in your mind over the past year that you're like, yeah, that was spectacular. I I can't wait for every issue to come out. There were some okay ones like the the iron man one was was all right i enjoyed it but even then you know they're putting out like one mini series every couple months like whereas dc side dc has something every day boom injustice all the beyond stuff it's it's right there and it's like not just is it good but it is among the best the DC is putting out in our opinion. When you're looking at the injustice stuff, the in, we haven't hidden our love of it. And I, I will put the, the, the injustice stuff on par with Scott Snyder's best Batman stuff. And in some cases above it, that's how good Taylor's work is on injustice. It is amazing. It's that freaking good. When you're talking about 
interpersonal relationships between these people that are going through torment. And when you're looking at this concept of the bad guys are good and the good guys are bad, like what Axis is trying but failing <laughs> at, Injustice is doing it, doing it properly and putting so much weight behind it because it's not in the canon universe. So these people can die. Jesus, when Ollie died. Oh, my God. God, Lord. And all the other people that have died, too. There was weight to it. And then when you're seeing... Yeah, it's never been, okay, it's been a while since yeah. we killed somebody. It's it's always worked for the story. Exactly. So, I mean, it works. And then let's look at then the, the Beyond stuff. The Justice Beyond actually had some pretty big stuff when you're looking at the, the crossover events. With, with Batman Beyond when they were doing the mm-hmm. alternate universe. That was fairly huge, and Justice did an amazing job in their comics as well. And we've gotten to know that Justice League as well and care for them, and, and it works. But look at the Batman Beyond stuff. I mean, this was the year where you find out that Bruce was nailing Barbara, got her <laughs> pregnant, and then she lost the baby. You're like, holy I think that might have gone a little too far. No, I don't. I, okay. It makes sense. By then, she was a grown woman. Their yeah, relationship just, changed. I don't know. It was just weird. I to me, not, not to say it wasn't well written. Just the entire scenario was a little awkward. It, which, it, which it was supposed to exactly. Be, so yeah, I'm not saying it's a good idea, but I can see how in the confines of the story, it wasn't stretched simply to shock. It made sense. Like for everything that they go through, have been through. She had grown up at that point. They'd grown up. They'd gotten close. It made sense. It, it, it just did. And it also made sense that it didn't work out well either. Not the baby losing the baby, of course. Although when you live that kind of life, your body's going to take a shit kicking. So it makes sense that, yeah, you're, mm-hmm. you stand a pretty higher chance of losing the baby than a normal everyday Mary Jane kind of thing. Well, not even bad choice of words there. Names. But anyways. <laughs> At least she had the baby. Yeah, th- this is just... The, the Batman Beyond, Beyond stuff was amazing. And that's not even touching on the stuff in that alternate universe. Mm-hmm. The relationship that Terry had with his father from that universe for a while. Not just himself, but, you know, with his father as well. All of that stuff. And then the the strained relationship between um, Bruce and Dick and that coming to light and slowly working to try to kind of fix it as well, but understanding how flawed it is. Those titles redeemed DC in Mm -hmm. my eyes. When you're looking at all the other series that are so bad, (laughs) then you look at this and it's like, they do have talent. They do have really talented writers that could create amazing stories if their leashes were lengthened yeah which kind of leads into the other couple comics i'd put in here which is gotham academy and gotham by midnight which even though between the two of them we've only read five issues but they've made an impact because it shows that at least at some level dc is willing to break away from their mold because prior to this the new 52 has been so similar in style and tone and like aside from the name on the covers like if you were just to flip through them a lot of them would be virtually indistinguishable it, even though they're different artists they, they all felt the same granted you had standouts like flash and wonder woman and batman but overall the line was just kind of mired in mediocrity and that's being generous in some cases oh, yeah, yeah. But what we see here with Gotham Academy and Gotham by Midnight, they're willing to break from that direction, try new interesting things, new stories, new characters, new styles. And I'll even throw Batgirl in there, even though it wasn't our cup of tea. It does show a willingness of them to grow and evolve and change as a company. And for no other reason, I I fully support that. But at the same time, Gotham Academy, Gotham, Gotham by Midnight, damn good comics. Yeah. I agree. And I see, I don't keep up with the, the sales to know how well they're doing. I just, I, I really hope that they do well so that DC gets the message that it's okay to 
stray from what their tried and true has been because their tried and true, in our opinion, just is not working nearly as well anymore. Mm-hmm. There, there's only so much Scott Snyder and James Tinian to go around. Yeah. <laughs> All right, and then for me, I also want to throw in there Wonder Woman. We had the end to uh, Brian Azzarello and Cliff Chang's run a few months ago, and I just loved that beginning to end, what they did with Diana. This is the first solo Wonder Woman comic I've ever liked. Just the way she was portrayed as a character, both in story and in artwork, that's the Wonder Woman I want to see more of. Also tying in a lot of the mythological elements for me personally, that was something I was really happy to see with, you know, the warring gods and putting her in the middle of it. But overall, uh, for I think it went 36 issues with their run, really enjoyed pretty much every single one of them. Yeah, I didn't read them all, but the ones that I read, I did enjoy. Mm-hmm. And then you had uh, some stuff to tack on. Not too, too much. The, the only other one that I will say that I enjoyed a lot, which again, going back to our idea of try something different, has been Justice League 3000, which is not a... You know, I I wouldn't dare put it on par with Injustice or Batman Beyond, but it's been a really fun series to read. And there has been some really cool stuff when you're finding out about that they're clones and how the cloning process is done and and different things like that and how the team works. It's been fun to read. Now, I will say the last few issues have not been as good as those early ones. Maybe it's petering out. I don't know. Maybe it's just the story. I honestly, I can't tell you why. It doesn't have the same impact as it did initially, but it Mm -hmm. still is a fun series to read, and I have enjoyed it quite a bit. Yeah, they're definitely having a lot of fun with the premise. Yeah. Especially bringing Booster and Blue Beetle in. I I know you didn't like it. I I still found that issue fun because we have to keep in mind that uh, Juergens and – God, I can't remember his name right now. I'm terrible at my job. But they're really the ones that made Booster and Blue Beetle into – I don't want to say stars, but – pulled them out of the you know the gutter where they were and made them interesting at least so just given their history with the characters i'm willing to give it a little more time yeah meh and then again we didn't put batman on the list because don't get me wrong the last three issues have been fantastic with endgame and you didn't really talk about it much but i know i've said zero year just didn't work for me i don't know why i couldn't get into it I know a lot of people loved it, said it was fantastic Batman comics, but for some reason, I just, I couldn't get into it. It it wasn't bad. It just didn't work for me personally. I honestly, we weren't reading a lot of DC. I know you especially. Yeah, it also fell at an inopportune time. But I just, and and it's it's unfair to Scott, who's done nothing wrong and been a, stand-up guy every time I've seen anything he says online. But, I mean, you're... I just wasn't reading a lot of DC. I haven't read them all. I read some, but not all of them. And it's just, I'd have a choice, you know? Am I buying this or am I freaking reading Spider-Man or some of the absolutely amazing image and and other, uh, other publishers' stuff? And so I would just read other stuff. Well, what a great segue, Roger. I'm good at those. Almost like you've done this before. Because, yeah, this year really elevated those other choices. Like, Image has been putting out great stuff for a while. But 2014, their quality level just shot through the roof for me. Like, we got some amazing stuff. Like, just to, just to list it off without even, like, getting into discussions, you know, pretty deadly Wayward, Rat Queens, Autumn Lands, all amazing debuts, as well as Chew and Invincible, just continuing to be awesome. Like, Project and, still too. We didn't put that in there, but uh, there's there's so much that's been coming out from them. Yeah, Manhattan Projects, East of West. Like you could go on and on yeah. because, damn, Image killed it this year. I am. We both are. This year have been more interested in the Image titles than any of the DC ones. It's just. It's been that freaking amazing. Yeah. Uh, Just to run through them quick because we've been going for a while here. Pretty Deadly was, I don't want to say out of nowhere because I expected, you know, this from DeConnick and Rios. But as far as what they did with the story and the style and the characters, it was, I can't even come up with the right term for it. it. 
it was unlike anything I'd seen before. I could put it that way. And just the way the comic worked was phenomenal. The writing in Pretty Deadly is among the best writing of recent years in comics. Not in terms of, you know, how the story is put together and things like that. And because that, that's all writing, of course, and, and whatnot. But it's just her writing, the narrative, the dialogue, her writing is. <sighs> It's a level all its own. It is that bloody good in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And then Emma Rios' art just yeah. took that to another level with that fantasy western setting. And Jordi Belair's colors, like half the comics we're talking about today were colored by Jordi Belair. <laughs> and that's no coincidence. She is amazing at her job. And then, of course, Chu. Very <laughs> different Chu this year. Like, it's still been funny. But you can see that they're getting towards their end game because I think Lehman has said it was only going to run like 40 issues or something. But we see that it's moving towards that final bit and it's getting more intense. And we've become so attached to these characters that, yes, the comedy is great. But, man, there has just been gut punch after gut punch coming from that comic this year. There's only so many people can die before it gets serious. I mean, <laughs> it was bound to happen. <laughs> The, but yeah, the Chew has been different this year too because the shift has gone from Tony to the supporting cast, mm-hmm. which has proved, like we said before, how strong a writer he is. That we can still care about every issue and enjoy every single issue, even when Tony is barely in some of them, if at all. And also a reminder that the cyborg chicken got a one shot where he was Conan the Barbarian, <laughs> and it was awesome. <laughs> Uh, Wayward, we just talked about it a few weeks ago, so no need to go into too much detail, but continues to be great. They finished off their first story arc with issue five. Love it. Wayward is one of the recent series that has propelled its way to the top of my reading list. Whenever a new issue is out, I am reading it. It's that simple. And it's the love I have of that series right now is unbelievable. Also, we're going to be speaking to Jim about it soon. <laughs> like real soon, next couple of weeks kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, Rat Queens. It, I put that with Rocket Raccoon where I get that little tingle of excitement every time I see it <laughs> in the new release list. It just works on every level. I love that comic. Another one that is toward the top of my list, beating out pretty much... It, with the exception of Spider Titles, beats out everything from Marvel, everything from DC. It, when an issue comes out, it's at the top of my my pile as well to read. It's mm-hmm. I just have so much love for that comic. And, and again, I'm, another I'm, brilliantly written series. Yes. It's just it's it's so sarcastic and so biting, and the humor is at points ridiculous and then also very subtle and then the relationships between the characters the art maybe a little too much long in a couple of episodes or issues but uh, <laughs> that notwithstanding the the art is amazing and the characters are each and every one of them brilliantly written just stars each in their own right and fun to read i mm-hmm. i have nothing but love for that series Unfortunately, uh, they're going through a little bit of trouble right now, uh, switching over artists for reasons we won't get into here. But uh, really looking forward to them to come back next year. Is there like drama? Oh, there's all kinds of drama. Ah, damn it. I didn't know that. You'll have to tell me. Yeah. After the show. Yes. Uh, And then we said earlier that with uh, Gotham at Midnight and Gotham Academy, how you can make an impact in only a couple of issues. Well, Autumn Land's Tooth and Claw made that impact in one issue. issue. We got the second one and it was great, but after a few pages of that first issue, it was one of the best comics I read this year. Yeah. Yeah. No argument. And again, we just talked about that a few weeks ago, so just go back and listen to that episode. definitely. And then uh, along with Chu, Invincible took a very different turn this year as well. First of all, with the whole uh, storyline involving Mark and the – what's her name? Has she ever been given a name? God. But the – We've praised the way that's been handled where it could have been a pure shock factor and we were worried it was going to be at a point. But we've seen that Kirkman 
He's doing a good job and, with it. And a very uncharacteristic move has handled this with a great amount of subtlety and delicacy, and it's been very impactful. Yeah. But at the same time, everything going on with Eve and Robot and Monster Girl and – my goodness. This was a ridiculously year for Invincible. I – it's one of those series where it's hard to, you know, look at it and say, oh, it's definitely better than last year or whatever, just because it's been on this rocket ride mm-hmm. and has never slowed down. So you can't say, eh, it's better and more action and stuff than before. No, it's just, it's different. But you're getting a lot more strategic stuff from what's-his-face robot and, and, and every all the wild freaking stuff going on. With uh, with him in the ultimate uh, with um, with uh, Mark in the ultimate universe and stuff like that, um, and then also the stuff with Eve. So you're getting some stuff that for a while at least looks like it might be a little bit more normal and relatable to us. Which obviously that can't last. But it's just been this roller coaster road that has not slowed down. So it's as strong as everything else that's come before that, and we could say that with great confidence because we've done nothing but praise that series from the beginning. And after what, 115 issues or somewhere around there, we still don't know what to expect when a new one comes out. Yeah. And Kirkman makes these 90 degree whiplash turns and it works for this comic because that's what we've come to expect. And even when he makes that ridiculous plot twist, he takes the time to explain it, and it works for the characters and for the story. I think it's unfortunate that most people know him only for The Walking Dead, and perhaps mainly even just read The Walking Dead, because I think that the writing in this has been so much better for so many months. I would like people to be reading this instead of The Walking Dead in, mm-hmm. in droves, because it's that much better. Agreed. And then just a few more for myself. Uh, I would be remiss to leave Saga off the list. Yeah. I would say it's been overshadowed by a lot of the other image work this year, but it's still a damn good comic. Sex Criminals surprised the hell out of me. I was expecting a bunch of funny jokes about, you know, sex. But what I wasn't expecting was this really strong commentary just on life as an adult. And uh, as far as, of course, sex, but relationships, the things that these characters have gone through in their lives with uh, psychological disorders and medical issues. A lot of honesty. When when Fraction is on point, my God, he is killing it here. And it goes from this almost depressing, very realistic, very relatable story to – the next page, you have the Iron Throne made out of sex toys. Yeah. And it's that back and forth between the comedy and the seriousness that really makes it striking and makes it fantastic. Yeah, I agree. And then uh, lastly, Wicked and the Divine. I've said so many times with uh, when Gillen and McKelvey collaborate on a project, it's a great comic, but it's not for me. This is one that's finally clicking for me, relating – pop stars and celebrity figures to actual gods and and their story there it's just it's an interesting twist and i'm glad that finally one of their comics works for me because i've really been enjoying that one cool and then of course you have an obligatory entry to list i i had to put it on there just because yeah skull kickers is still awesome and it's it's again it's when i look at marvel series whether now or what's coming out kind of thing or DCs, there's that expectation still. And that's based on what we've known for how many years, you know, of reading both of those. But when you're looking at image titles, you kind of have to throw that out the window. Your expectation is of greatness and that's it. You don't know what you're going to get from it. And Skull Kickers is another one of those where it's just is it was this brilliant, beautiful surprise that came out from Zub and crew working on it. And it just blew us away. We loved it. And it has consistently been 
an, a very fun read. And it's nothing more than that. I mean, you're not going to find deep, impactful stories. Yeah, there's a few panels here and there that, that kind of riff off on that. But no, it's just this crazy, fun story to read. And it's written so freaking brilliantly that you'd never know what you're going to get from storyline to storyline. And I'm deeply saddened that after a while we'll be done with these and we won't get any more of these because every single issue that comes out now, albeit it has been a while since the last one has just been so much fun to read. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Much like I said about saga, it's just as good as it's always been, but again, murderers row this year. Mm -hmm. And then from our other publishers, we've said time and again, what a great job IDW does on their licensed comics and case in point, Samurai Jack and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Both I, Samurai Jack is I, – I, I feel like when I'm reading the comic, I could close my eyes yep. and it would be a cartoon. Yep. It is so on point, so perfect. This last story arc they did with Jack having to you know, reforge his sword, holy crap. Like that, that is the Samurai Jack episode I wanted all the years it was on the air <laughs> and it never happened. What's funny that is that like Samurai Jack came out um, again – I wasn't a kid at the time, but I had kids. So we watched. I wasn't it. a kid either. So okay, you, right. we're, we're, I, I was closer to a kid than you, but I was an actual adult. The, the, the thing that was great about it is that we enjoyed it as much as the kids, of course. Mm-hmm. And it's a fine balance to be able to write something that is relatable to adults that is still that kids would enjoy. And Zub is doing that. And we've just talked about Zub. This is this third series that we're talking about this guy. There's a reason why we have so much respect for his work. But the writing is so strong that this is a series that I could hand to, you know, a a young kid that I know and say, read this. You'll love it. It's so freaking cool. But as an adult, you're also digging it. And especially so if you like the series, because like you said, each issue could easily be turned into an episode and you can see it in your mind, of course, because it's the same artist, but also just because it flows. It has that same flow as each episode does. So it, 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 it walks a very fine line and, and it, it doesn't walk it. It dances on it and makes it look easy when in fact, you know, it's not. You're definitely handling a licensed property correctly when I'm reading the lines and the voices yep. of the characters, like in my head, like yep. that's how cool. Yep. I agree. Like, it's so perfect. In and the scenes with <laughs> when they were switched to women, <laughs> I want to see that animated so freaking badly. Cause that was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Just gold. Those would be amongst my favorite episodes. If those had been in the, original series they were that freaking awesome mm-hmm. and we've just been talking about ninja turtles pretty much every month <laughs> yeah, for the last kidding. three years so you guys know we love it you guys should know it's great because it continues to be great yep. Yep. and then for me i just wanted to touch on one other comic and it's from valiant and it was the eternal warrior miniseries uh they're doing another one right now uh, ages of steel i think it's called it's okay like it's 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 a little, uh, I don't want to say cliched, but it's definitely plays it a lot safer than the first miniseries uh, that was written by Greg Pak. I think it ran for eight issues. And the cool thing about Galad as a character is that he's an immortal. You know, he's in service to the spirits of the earth. So they did one of those great like Wolverine style stories where the first couple issues took place thousands of years in the past. You know, ancient gods and you know tribes and all that. And then the last couple issues took place like a few hundred years in the future from now. So it's post-apocalyptic robots and cyborgs. And the story thread throughout that ran from beginning to end worked. That miniseries is by far the best thing Valiant has put out this year. And I've liked a good number of their comics. We talked about uh, Archer and Armstrong, Quantum and Woody. Again, I continue to want to support the publisher. And if I was to point somebody in a direction of something to read, Eternal Warrior is exactly what I would tell them to pick up. Cool. 
All right. And then you, of course, have a thousand other things because there was a, a lot of few, good stuff this year. There was. There was. And I, I forgot about half of these. It, what's cool is that it, I enjoyed that there was a lot of other stuff that wasn't Marvel and DC. It just was – it was great to have all these other options. A, a bunch of them came from Thrillbent. And mm-hmm. – with that coming out and offering us a whole bunch of different stuff to read that was not Marvel or DC, that, and and the ease of which you could read the titles from either your computer or your iPad. Did the Android app finally come out? Last I checked, no. No, still not. Well, for an iPad user like myself, it's... Honestly, at this point, if it does come out, I probably won't be able to use it because my tablet is ancient. ancient. <laughs> it, it still works great, but... A lot of new apps that come out don't work so well. Well, the the app for iOS is not without its flaws. There's still some things that I, I would really like to see tweaked, but it sure does make that parallax um, technology where you just kind of stream in the different images and stuff like that. It does a very good job at that. So you, you have a different experience as well, which in some cases can work very well. In some other cases, it's kind of overused. But I mean we've seen so many things that we talked about it too, like the endling, which I really enjoyed a lot. And then there was motorcycle samurai, which I know was written before, but mm-hmm. it only just came up on thrill band this year. And we read it and oh, we read it this year. What happened before then is irrelevant. It doesn't really matter. And it was freaking awesome. I, I would tell people to sign up for thrill bent just to read this because I enjoyed it that much. And then the, the house and wall just recently. So there's a lot of stuff on there. That's just mm-hmm. been, it's fine. Awesome. I, it's, it's not something I check regularly just because I get lost. <laughs> like, Oh man, it's time to go to sleep, but I'll get that email every month of your subscription is processed. I was like, Oh, what happened this month? And I'll go back and I'll, read some great comics yeah, every month i agree i agree i i will when i've kind of read through everything else that i've read and i'm, I'm looking at what's left to be read and it's like freaking wolverine crap i don't want to read <laughs> it's like what's going on in thrill bent click and then there's always something awesome and before you know it i've read like 20 25 issues of a few different series and i was like wow that was so much fun so yeah thrill bent very important stuff on there to be read i really can't say praise it enough it's it's a worthy subscription to have plus you're supporting this completely independent publisher and creators that's the most important thing the quality is of course great but the fact that it's an entirely new platform for distribution same thing with uh panel syndicate with uh, the private eye comic creators are finding new ways to get their work out to the public and it's working yeah and, with and that's important. Thrill bent too is that they're not their arms aren't tied behind them, as it is with publishers like DC and Marvel with those IPs. Here they can just run wild and have fun and do what they want to create, and that's important. And um, they go write a Wolverine tie-in and get paid. Um, it, it, it was poorly handled, but the death of Archie was still something that was talked about quite a bit. Yes, so it was. Worth talking about and worth reading. It just wasn't really, in my opinion, handled nearly well enough. But it was an event. You saw the announcement of the Archie relaunch next yes. year? Yes. That and has me legitimately excited. Good, tying it into uh, Thrillbent there. Yeah. That's, yeah, that was like, what? <laughs> I will read that. <laughs> um, of course, being Firefly fans, the mm-hmm. Serenity Leaves in the Wind was an important miniseries for the year, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. It just was both enjoyable and heart-wrenching at the same time and beautifully written and illustrated. I, nothing but love for that series. Miniseries, yeah. yeah. Um, Borderlands, again, another series that brand new and so completely digging everything that they're doing. And it's a series that I know for a fact a lot of other people won't quote-unquote get or be able to relate to. But for a gamer and for a gamer who loves that IP, it's just such a good series. And it's one of the ones where I tell people, read this, read this. Just, I don't care if you read comics or not. I know you love Borderlands. Read this. You'll love it. It's, it's that great. 
and everything we said about Samurai Jack as far as handling the IP yeah. perfectly, they nail it. Yeah. Um, the X-Files conspiracy crossover that crossed over through the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and mm-hmm. Ghostbusters and everything. Again, another one where we didn't like all the crossover issues like the Crow one and whatnot. But the story as a whole showed that you can take these all of these um, IPs, mix them in together in a really fun well-written story still that ties in all of these things so that it makes sense. It shouldn't make sense when you look at what it is, <laughs> but it did. It worked and really loved it a lot. Yeah. And lastly, again, looking at complete creator-controlled independent comic, Emma. And right. we I, again, I'd forgotten about Emma. Got to interview him and... Although it's again, it's just like thrill bent. He'll post on Twitter that hey, the new page is up. It's like, oh yeah, Emma, I forgot about that. I love it. I, <laughs> it's, it's, it's great. Just, it's a fantastic, fun story that is taking a different twist on post-apocalyptic. Not hugely different, but still different enough that it's like it, it's original. And when you see the care that goes into every single panel your appreciation of the work as a whole skyrockets. It has to. Mm-hmm. So so that's it. All right. And God, just in the interest of time, touching briefly, this was a great year for comics adaptations in film. I mean, Winter Soldier and Guardians of the Galaxy were two of the best movies of the year, period, regardless of genre. Yeah. Days of Future Past was great. Uh, definitely bringing that franchise back. Big Hero 6 was phenomenal. Uh, and then on TV, Arrow and Flash. I, again, I haven't watched Arrow, but I'm taking your word for it. Both great series. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. really stepped it up in the second oh, season. Super excited for the Peggy Carter miniseries, which I think is next week premiering. So there's a lot of great stuff out there that's overshadowing the crap that we won't talk about. Let's put it that way. TMNT. It was TMNT. He's talking about the Ninja Turtles. And crap is being too polite. <laughs> way too polite. And Gotham, I'm looking at you, too. And since this entire issue, episode, was basically one long what we're reading, we're going to pass on that this week. But I'm sure we'll have plenty to talk about next week. Mm-hmm. And new releases, everybody pretty much took the week off. Marvel, you have the new S.H.I.E.L.D. number one, uh, written by Mark Wade, which is basically bringing the TV cast uh, of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. into proper Marvel comic continuity. So it's going to be interesting to see how they work that out. Uh, DC, we have Batman Eternal number 39 and from Image, East of West number 16. So this is a great week to go out there and read something you've never read before. Maybe something we talked about this week. So if there's anything you think we left off the list, uh, you can find us at comicbookinformer.com. Post a comment on our show notes or hit us up on Twitter at CBinformer. We're always interested to know. It's entirely possible we forgot something. It's also entirely possible that your favorite comic just sucks, but uh, we'll give you the benefit of the doubt. You will out. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, thanks for this extra long year-end episode. Thanks for listening. It's been another great year to do this podcast. It's a great bit of enjoyment every Tuesday evening, sometimes night if uh, somebody's running late. Hey, but you know what? Please, seriously. <laughs> it's uh, We're looking forward to having a great 2015 along with you guys. So we will see you next week. Happy New Year, folks. 